Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I remember when I uh, was first learning to preach and uh, went to to seminary and and did all that stuff, and uh, probably the best advice I got about preaching uh, it was like my first day in preaching class, and the professor said two things to remember when preaching. The first thing is, uh, when you go to the bathroom, make sure the wireless mic is turned off. And the second thing is, before you get up to speak, make sure your pants are zipped. And so I'm two for two. From here on out, it's gravy. You know, whatever, uh, whatever good comes is just bonus on top of that. Uh, this morning, the title of the message is called A Call to Discipleship, and in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus is calling those who, who have gathered around, those who are listening, he's calling them to a, uh, a commitment of discipleship, and, and Jesus explains it like this, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The first invitation or the first call that Jesus gives to those listening to him is a call to come. He's inviting them, and he says, come to me. Um, Maybe for a lot of us in, in life, when situations are hard, when things are difficult, when plans don't go like we want them to go or, or think they should go, uh, sometimes our, um, our initial response is to go to something besides Jesus, right? Maybe we go to fear, maybe we go to worry, maybe we go to control, maybe we go to, to anger, maybe we go to uh, some sort of you know, coping mechanism, whether it be food or drugs or alcohol or whatever it might be. Um, when life takes a detour, um, Jesus is, is saying, hey, come to me. When you're heavy, when you're burdened, uh, when you're weighed down with the things of life, he says, come to me. Don't go to those things. He's saying, come to me. And really what he's calling them to, what he's calling us to, is a call to repentance, right? He's saying, turn from, from these things and come to me. When, uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in a, a, a cotton farm, and I grew up in a, a small community of like 1,200 people. Actually, I grew up like 15 miles from there. So like going to the quote-unquote town was, you know, like of, of 1,200 people, so... We'd go to there. We had a small grocery store, like six aisles. You could walk through the whole place in three minutes, you know, aisle by aisle. And uh, there weren't really any uh, name brand food in there. It was all off-brand stuff. And like their uh, their flagship thing was called Surefine. That was their the brand that, that, that they had a, a lot of. And they had this ice cream. And so as a kid, I thought the ice cream was great because it had a lot of sugar, and a lot of fat, and it was, you know, it was ice cream. And uh, a good memory that I have with that is it would come in these uh, containers, not like a round container like, you know, Bluebell and stuff like that comes in, but it would come in this uh, rectangle, like a rectangular prism. So it was like uh, half a gallon. And uh, I remember eating that like at my my 
at home and eating with my grandparents and especially like eating with my granddad. It really brought a like a just a, a connection with him to eat that ice cream with him, right? And so then fast forward and in nineteen ninety seven uh, we took a uh, a family vacation to the the Cayman Islands, and it was uh, loads of fun. It was for my grandparents' fiftieth wedding anniversary. We went to this all inclusive resort, so it had you know unlimited food and and all of that awesome stuff. And it was uh, during this trip that my life changed forever because I was introduced uh, to Haagen Dazs ice cream. Right, so I had grown up. Uh, walking down the path of sure-fine ice cream. And it was okay until I was called to something better, uh, something superior, haagen And I, I don't know if this is accurate, but I believe the translation for haagen is heart disease uh, into English. I could be wrong, but, uh, but I think that's what it is. And so uh, it was like in my heart uh, I was saying, uh, hey, you need to repent of sure-fine and come to something that's better. Haagen-Dazs, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating this when I say that um, our family completely depleted the uh, resources of ice cream they had at that resort. Like, we totally wiped them out, so it was, it was great. Uh, when Jesus calls us to repentance, he's, he's calling us to a place of restoration, and he's, what he's wanting to do in our lives is he's wanting to restore honor. Is wanting to uh, to bring us to a place of honor. It's like in Genesis chapter three, when uh, the the fall happened, and when Adam and Eve uh, chose to eat from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and to not uh, follow the instructions of Jesus, of of the Father. Uh, there were consequences for that, right? But even in those consequences, God came to them. God pursued them, and he began to work to restore honor. And that's what repentance is about. It's a restoration of honor. And it's like these uh, shows on HGTV. I, I, I like that channel. Maybe that lowers my masculinity. I don't know. But uh, I like HGTV, and I like watching them uh, take these old houses, these like historic homes, and restoring them. And this uh, one show uh, called Rehab Addict, uh, like the, the tagline in the intro is, uh, she says she wants to restore houses to their, to their original glory. And that, that's what uh, Jesus is about in this call to discipleship. He's about restoring us to the original glory that he had for us and to the original plan and the original intent. And so when Jesus says, come, it's a call to repentance, and it's a call to something better. The second invitation or the second call that Jesus makes in this passage is a call to connection, right? He says, um, verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, uh, in modern day United States, we don't really have uh, much use for a, a yoke, especially if you're living in the Metroplex. But in the, in the days of Jesus, and even today in other parts of the world, you know, a yoke is this uh, piece of wood, and it's used to uh, connect two animals. And so the way the, the system, and then, then they use it to farm, like to pull a, a plow or a piece of machinery or something like that. And so the way that this uh, yoke would work is the farmer would take a, uh, an older more mature, stronger, experienced animal, and then couple that <clears throat> mature, strong animal with a, an animal that's still learning. 
and they would come together and they would come under that yoke and they would be linked. And the, the wonderful part uh, about it is that this younger, uh, less experienced, less strong animal had all the resources that the older animal had because of this yoke. And so all of the strength, all of the power, all of the training and skill that the animal, the older animal had acquired over the years was now becoming available to this younger one as the younger one submitted to the leadership of the older. And that's what Jesus is calling us to in discipleship. That's what he's calling us to in uh, connecting with him as he's saying, hey, uh, Come under my authority, come under my leadership, connect yourself with me, and <clears throat> everything that's available to me through the Father is now available to you. And it's, about, it's about submission, and it's about humility. When we think about the word submission, if you break it down, you know, it's like sub, meaning under, and then mission, meaning uh, a goal or a plan or a purpose. And so when we submit to Jesus, what we're doing is we're coming under his mission. When we take on the yoke of Jesus, we are dying to self, and we're joining him in the work of seeing all creation redeemed. And so submission, uh, when exercised in love and when exercised in trust and when coming under uh, the authority of Jesus, submission is a, a beautiful thing for us. Uh, several years ago, we, we were living in, in El Paso and went to this place uh, about two and a half hours outside of El Paso called uh, Balmeray State Park, and maybe you've been there before. Uh, El Paso, if you don't know, is the middle of the, the desert, and so anytime you can like find water that's um, you know, not uh, dirty, <laughs> then you go to it. And uh, this, uh, this Balmeray State Park is this uh, natural springs that's just awesome. Then they have camping and stuff there as well. And so we went there, Lindsay and I, and we went with a couple of other families. And so we went, we uh, set up camp, and we were starting, you know, swim and did all that stuff. And then we uh, were going to grill out and, and cook. And like in the distance over some, some mountains, we saw some clouds. And uh, I fancy myself as an amateur meteorologist, but really I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, I act like I do. And so uh, one of the, the guys there, you know, said, hey, do you think it's going to rain? Because these clouds, I was like, no, I don't think so. It's going a different direction. So you, you can see where this is going to end up. Uh, so anyway, you know, five minutes later, the clouds are getting closer, 10 minutes closer, closer. Pretty soon, it's like a full-on thunderstorm, you know. The uh, hail is coming down. It's lightning, 50-mile-an-hour uh, winds, uh, running for our lives. Uh, we were standing out there trying to hold the tents up. The tents are like blowing over. And then, uh, like a bunch of idiots from the desert, we set up the tents in this low spot. So now they're all flooded out and mud is everywhere. Uh, so the, the, the moms and the kids all went into the cars. And then me and two other guys were uh, standing out there, like I said, trying to save stuff. And finally I got to the point where, you know, it was like too dangerous to be out in the storm. So there was this uh, picnic uh, table, you know, had a pavilion over it. And uh, we found shelter under there. And so uh, that shelter, that awning, that pavilion 
was there, you know, throughout the whole storm. But it wasn't until we decided to come under it and come under its mission. Its mission was to provide protection, right? Its mission was to provide uh, shelter. So when we came under its mission, then we received the benefits that it had to offer, which was protection from the rain and from the wind and the hail and all of that. And so when, when Jesus is uh, making this call to connection, he is saying, hey, uh, join me, yoke yourself to me, submit to me. When we submit to him, we come under his mission of redemption for the world. Uh, we also get some, some pretty good benefits for ourselves, and the benefits are the, the resources and everything that he has in the Father is then available to us. And this idea of, of, of a yoke, it, it's similar to what Jesus was teaching in John chapter 15, right? In John chapter 15, Jesus uses the illustration of the vine and the branches. And he, he tells his, uh, his disciples, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. So it, again, it's this idea of connection, this idea of, of being joined to him. And so if, as we walk in discipleship, it begins with repentance, and then the next step is a call to connection or a call to abiding in Jesus. Then the third call or the third invitation that Jesus gives to, to us in this passage is a, a call to learn, right? He says, uh, let me teach you. Now, at face value, that's not maybe a, a dramatic statement or a dramatic invitation, but in the day of Jesus, uh, this was a very, very profound invitation because Jesus, uh, he was Jewish and, and he was a rabbi, right? And so uh, as a rabbi, the way that the, the, the religious system worked in that day among the Jews is that uh, when a son was born to a family, his parents would be training him and teaching him all about the scriptures, all about the Old Testament, and memorize, you know, practically all, all of the, the Old Testament. And in hopes that one day a rabbi would come along and invite their son to follow him. That was like the, the pinnacle of, of, uh, of accomplishment, was to have a, a rabbi invite you or invite your son to come follow him. So it'd be like, you know, uh, Emlyn's uh, a big Auburn Tigers football fan. So it'd be like if uh, Gus Malzahn called him and said, hey, Emlyn, I'm available to you 24-7 to talk about Auburn football. Anything you want to know, anything you want to learn, uh, just give me a call, give me a text, whatever. I'm available to you all the time. That's what Jesus was saying here to, to them. He was saying, uh, I'm a rabbi, and yeah, the way the system works is that uh, I'm supposed to be very elite and very selective, and only the best of the best can come follow me. But Jesus is saying, uh, I'm bringing a new order. I'm bringing a new way of doing things, and, and my call is come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All who want to learn about me, all who want to learn from me are invited. And it's important that uh, as we uh, see this invitation from Jesus to, to learn from him, that he, he says that he is uh, gentle and humble in heart, and then he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
And I think Jesus was very intentional in, in putting these words in there, gentle, humble, uh, easy, light. Now, does that mean that discipleship is without cost? Absolutely not. Does it mean that discipleship is um, discipleship itself is easy? No. But what Jesus is doing is he's contrasting himself and he's contrasting um, following him with the legalism that was prevalent in that day. And the, you know, in the Old Testament and in the Torah, the law was given by God to the people to uh, instruct them in, in how to walk and in how to, to honor him. But over the centuries, uh, the, the religious leaders would add, <clears throat> add laws on top of those and making up their own laws, uh, oftentimes as a way to control people and to, uh, to exercise authority and sometimes manipulation over them. And so Jesus is saying that uh, all of these laws that have been added to the Torah, all of these laws that weigh you down, that burden you, that are, are wearisome for you in life, he's saying that uh, that's not what I'm about. And I think what he's calling them to and what he's calling us to is to, to learn from him and let him teach us about grace. Uh, and, and grace is, is freedom, right? Jesus is saying, hey, I'm offering you and I'm extending to you freedom from legalism. And so grace, grace is freedom, uh, but it's not freedom to sin. It's freedom to walk in righteousness. Uh, you know, and, and God trusts many things to us, right? He trusts uh, monetary things to us. He trusts relationships to us. He trusts us with skills and uh, gifts and talents. And, and all of these things God is, is calling us to steward. But I want to suggest this morning that God is calling us and inviting us to, to, to learn from him about how to steward grace. Uh, because left to our own devices and, and left to the flesh, uh, often what we'll do is we'll misuse grace, right? And we'll go to the extreme of either abusing it and saying, hey, I'm under grace, I can do whatever I want, however I want, with whoever I want, uh, and we, we abuse it, or uh, we refuse it. You know, we say, hey, I'm not worthy of grace, I'm not good enough for grace, uh, I've messed up and <clears throat> too much, there's no hope for me. And so we have uh, either this extremely arrogant opinion of ourselves where we say, hey, I can do whatever I want because I'm under grace, or we have this overly <clears throat> deflated uh, opinion of ourselves where we say there's no hope for me and grace can't help me. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm inviting you to learn from me, to learn about grace, and to learn how to steward grace and use it under the power of the Spirit. And then the next call that Jesus gives is a call to receive, right? He says, uh, come and I will give you rest. I, I like how Again, intentional Jesus is here where he says, uh, I will give you rest. You will receive rest. Now, for most of my life, when, I, when I've read this passage, when I've studied it or, or whatever, uh, for me, I would kind of make the, the whole emphasis of the passage, this, this rest that Jesus is offering us. But I, I think as I was studying this week and, and preparing that the Maybe what God was trying to teach me is that uh, the rest is is a benefit, it is a gift, but the ultimate call, the ultimate point of, of these three verses is Jesus calling us to discipleship. And as we walk in discipleship, then that rest becomes available. 
uh, to us. And so, yeah, the goal is discipleship, connection with the Father, connection with Jesus. Rest is not the goal. It's the result of the gift. It's like the, the story of the prodigal son, right? And in that story, uh, this father had two sons. He had an older son. He had a younger son. One day, the younger son came to him and said, hey, I want my portion of the inheritance now. Uh, and basically, what he was saying to his father was, I don't care anything about my relationship with you. Uh, financially, I'd be better off if you were dead. And so just give me uh, my inheritance now so that I can spend it however I want to. And so this younger son, in the story of the prodigal son, this younger son uh, cared about what the father had to offer, but he cared nothing about the father. And uh, sometimes, perhaps in our relationship with Jesus, uh, Maybe we can stray into that uh, attitude or that mindset or that perspective ourselves. We can want everything that God has for us without really wanting to press into the relationship with him, right? And we can want all the power that the Holy Spirit has for us. We can want all the gifts that the Spirit has for us. We can want the fruit of the Spirit in our lives more than we want uh, a connection and a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so, as, as Jesus, again, this is all to say that, that rest, I don't think, is the main point of this passage. Discipleship is the point of this passage. But the beautiful thing is that as we walk in discipleship, as we <clears throat> uh, answer this call to come, this call to take on the yoke, this call to learn about grace, then the byproduct of that is is rest for our hearts and, and rest for our souls, you know. Uh, so much, uh, so often in our lives, when uh, life kind of takes a left turn or a right turn off, off the path, um, our inclination will be to, to maybe turn to, to fear or to uh, anger or to control or to pride. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm calling you uh, away from that, and I'm, I'm calling you to a place of rest. So rather than trying to strive and, and change the circumstances, uh, rest in me, learn from me, come to me, and, and I will make it right, and I will set things straight. I will restore the order. I will restore the honor. I want to invite uh, the ministry team to, to come forward and, and uh, be available to pray with people. Uh, this morning, I just want to, to just like speak a word over us of, of honor. Uh, I think for so many of us, uh, our lives are uh, about uh, where we're insufficient. Uh, where we feel like we are less than, where we feel like we don't measure up to those around us, uh, whether it be spiritually, uh, financially, uh, mentally, whatever, career-wise, whatever it may be, um, we're constantly bombarded with the message that we are uh, less than, that we're underachieving, that we're behind, whatever it might be. But uh, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, come to me uh, and find your honor in me. And I want to restore that. And I want to, uh, and I want to speak honor to you.